Crossing Broadcast is brought to you by Amerigas Propane. If you go on to crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas, you can sign up to win a grill valued at $499. So go check that out. As well as the fine folks at Tropicana who are running daily and weekly competitions free of charge. Uh, you can go on and compete for prizes thanks to the fine folks at Tropicana. So go check that out. On today's episode, we react to the news that the Sixers have promoted Elton Brand to be the team's new general manager. We talk about fallout. Uh, Kevin recaps a, uh, a heated exchange from the Sixers uh, media breakfast, as well as we break down the potential rumors of a Jordan Matthews or Jeremy Macklin signing. So let's get to it. Russell's Reserve, aged 10 years and poured out in a cup of mediocrity, along with uh, Mr. Allagash himself, Kevin Kincaid. What's up? Yo. Guys. Wow. wow. Thanks for having me on the podcast. That was, that was really high energy. That was the Jeb Bush of introductions to a podcast. Our second Please show clap. of the week. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> that was my bet. Oh, I love it. Uh, Mr. How am I Mr. Allagash? Didn't you go up to Allagash, Maine? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I did, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's actually I'm a great brewery. Sa- it was amazing. I'm like Trump here. Like, I just pick on one thing, and then now it's your nickname. I just stick yeah. with it. I've got evil genius on the on the counter tonight, though. Uh, mm. Nice, nice. Mm. Um, so Yeah, much. so I, this this is the show of mediocrity. Let's give kind of quick off the top here our topics. Uh, we'll, we'll keep this one relatively tight. Um, that's what she said. Um Starting off, uh, Elton Brand, the new Sixers GM, will be a topic. Mediocre. Philly Max, Philly Max medi- baby. Woo. Mediocre move. Uh, we had an interesting exchange at the Brett Brown luncheon between Kevin and an unnamed uh, uh, colleague or counterpart. Uh, the Eagles are signing, are signing or have signed? Have signed. I've been out of the loop for a couple hours. Jordan Matthews, uh, and they're bringing in Jeremy Macklin. Does so, that confirm? Uh, I thought the Matthews thing was confirmed. Is it not? Am I no, wrong? I don't think it is. Oh, jeez. I think we're well. Jordan by Matthews the time had an MRI. Out, it might be confirmed. Yeah, I don't know. So cl- close enough. He'll, maybe by the time back. maybe by the time you listen to this, he'll be an eagle, or maybe we'll not. Have all of the slot receivers, yeah. all of them. Yeah. Um, so None let's start with Elton Brand. Good. Elton okay. Brand. Mm. Should, ahead, I start, should I start it off since I'm the Sixers? You should. The Sixers guy. You know what? The more I think about it, I don't really have a problem with it. And uh, this will work out nicely because I, I think that you guys are not fans of the move. But, um, I mean, like, when I look at the bigger picture here, you know, obviously Josh Harris was burned with the Brian Colangelo thing, <laughs> which did not end positively. And the Sam Hinkie thing did not end positively either, um, which may or may not be their fault or the NBA stepping in or Adam Silver coming in or, you know, um, you know, meandering and meddling in something that probably was not his business. So I, I think like from a macro standpoint, when you look at it, the Sixers were probably saying, look, we, we just want some continuity here. We want some stability. We want some familiarity and comfort here. And uh, I think they felt like they had a good thing going with the people that they had in the front office. And I don't know if they were ready to bring in an outsider to come in and trump the, uh, the collaborative, you know, to use the buzzword that they've been using this whole time um, to, to trump that collaboration between these people. Um, so I think they like what they have in Brett Brown. They like what they have in uh, Mark Eversley and Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker and now Elton Brand. 
and uh, they think that they can kind of do like a group effort moving forward, which I, I think is fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that philosophy. I think what when it becomes a problem is I don't know if you trust Elton Brand to do a, a deadline deal where multiple picks and and players are involved when he's really not that experienced with it. And the other thing is that you're going to have somebody's going to have to make the final decision no matter what. You know, if if, if even if they're the best brain trust and they work together better than anybody. Uh, in, in any organization in the world, there's still going to be disagreements over something. Somebody's still going to have the final say. So I think that's probably, if you're looking at a negative, that's probably the biggest thing you'd point to. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i learned to not judge people based on their lack of experience and the, you know, the, for lack of a better phrase, you know, nepotism-ism of the hire itself uh, after kind of getting burned on my whole Doug Peterson opinion. So who knows? Like, you know, a lot of GM, a lot of former players become GMs in all sports. Um, a lot of first-time GMs, coaches, whatever, have success. So there's no reason to think Elton Brand can't. It's just a little weird because he was a player so recently. He has such, you know, typically when they get those jobs, they kind of linger on coaching staffs and in the inner workings of an organization for multiple years. Um, before just immediately being an executive. Uh, Elton Brand, you know, has been retired for less than two years. He was the player development guy right after he tired, retired, and he's been the GM of the, the Bluecoats. And I'm honestly not sure what the GM of a G League team does other than says, thank you, big team, for these players. Um, you know, but, I, like, so he's got one year of experience doing that. Um, yeah, so, like, I'm with you. I, I I don't know if you get hated. It just feels like sort of a weirdly disappointing, mediocre thing because it feels like settling. I can't imagine that, you know, they went into this thinking, well, we need to nab El- Elton Brand as our GM. Yeah. Um, you know, all the money in the world or, you know, the GM doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, if, if, if you have the right destination, you can lure the big name free agent. That's fine. But, I mean, there's a lot of clever stuff that could be done to round out an NBA roster. And ultimately that, you know, that – I won't say that's how you win, but that's a big part of it. It's not, it's about getting the stars, yes, and they might have them in place, but, you know, down the line, there's going to be a deadline deal. There could be a move next summer. There can be a clever signing like JJ Redick was last year, where you overpay a guy on a one year deal so you can, you know, get him in here because he's needed for your team for that year. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Elton Brand is good enough to do those things. Maybe he's not. But all of a sudden, he's in a, a sports executive and he's, less than two years removed from the basketball court. And, you know, he probably has almost virtually no experience of anyone working under him, you know, let alone being point man of a NBA franchise that is, you know, could potentially be a top five team in the league. And, um, you know, it has a seven year rebuild now that has come to its inflection point and you're throwing a rather inexperienced guy in charge of it all. So it's a little, um, little interesting. And Oh, by the way, they have a good thing going, you know, Brett Brown is, is part of the brain trust. Well, you know, I, they didn't have the greatest summer. I think their tactics backfired. You know, I'm not going to keep beating the Mikel Bridges thing, but they traded a guy for a lesser guy in the draft, partly because they wanted to get this pick and ostensibly use it. And they still might be able to, but I, I don't think anyone would say with a straight face that, you know, their goal wasn't to make a big splash this summer. And, and they, you know, they haven't really improved the team. I don't want to rain on the parade, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to get a couple concerns out of the way. This uh, this signing or promotion, whatever you want to call it, uh, that the Sixers did with Elton Brand is uh, I think the perfect bow on the most disappointing 
offseason that we've seen in a while for the Sixers, especially when you consider what the the pre-offseason hype had been. Of course, that included the the pursuit of max free agents that, quite frankly, maybe never considered actually coming here in LeBron James, Paul George, um, you know, acquiring the 2021 pick as part of the, uh, the deal to acquire Zaire Smith uh, in trading away Mikkel Bridges. And, uh, you know, you walk away from this offseason having added Wilson Chandler, bringing back J.J. Redick and Amir Johnson. And, um, you know, Zaire Smith probably won't be back until, what, December, January. So you won't even get to see that pick. Yeah, December. They and, didn't confirm that today. And so now, you know, you came into this offseason hoping that you were going to shoot for the stars. And you didn't get it. Um, and, you know, of course, that became the pivot point for, well, we have to see what happens with Markel Fultz as he works with Drew Hanlon. Like, maybe he'll be back. We've been kind of, you know, hanging on to the Zapruder footage of seeing screenshots of um, Fultz playing in a scrimmage, which, you know, Hanlon said he wouldn't have done unless Fultz had the ability to shoot. And so this just kind of leads me back to a a feeling of disappointment. And in July, I said that I I thought it was a, you know, setting up to be a failure of an offseason. And, you know, people can can fight back on that. Like if if Fultz ends up, you know, kind of having it back together, having his shot back together, and he becomes the player that they thought they were going to get when they drafted him, then fine. Like, that's great. Um, but I look at the Selton brand signing and like, this is a, a, a vacancy that we had hoped would have uh, been created in some way with the firing of Brian Colangelo. And then we finally got it. And that kind of started making people think about, well, Mike Zarin's in Boston. Like that's, that's a guy that they've previously interviewed um, even prior to Hinky. Like that's somebody that they might go after maybe Sasha Gupta who Hinky had credited as being the architect of the pick swap trade. There were other names that were out there that came up more recently, uh, including one who had also worked in Daryl Morey's Houston Rockets um, uh, front office. But, you know, you think about it, the the mention of Daryl Morey a few weeks ago um, was clearly just a, a way to, I don't know, get some publicity on the fact that the team was, you know, going through the motions of a of a GM search and they knew they were never going to get him. Just like, you know, maybe they, never, they knew they were never going to get LeBron James. But, you know, Elton Brand might end up being a good... Uh, you know, a good promotion, but there's no way to know. But the one thing I guess I have the biggest concern with is they said going into this that it was the most attractive job in the league and it was, you know, a, a team that people were going to be falling over themselves for. R.C. Buford had even been mentioned as somebody that the Sixers might try to get out of his contract or that they might roll this whole collaborative process over another year until Buford's contract was up or until Greg Popovich retired at the end of the 18 19 season. And I mean, Buford would have been an interesting name. That would have been a big name. But, you know, Elton Brand, he doesn't exactly do a lot to move the needle for me. But seeing the way that players, former players as part of the organization, Andre Iguodala and Rashawn Holmes, at least, you know, reacted to it on Twitter makes me think, well, you know what? If you need a people person, if you need somebody who has established themselves within the league and is good with players and you believe that like Mark Eversley and Ned Cohen and company can do all the financials and they can work out all the deals, then maybe the collaborative thing will work. Maybe it's it's a paradigm shift in how NBA teams are going to do front offices. It still remains to be seen, and I can't exactly say that I'm jumping for joy over it. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you and Kyle both kind of hit it, hit the nail on the head when you say that, you know, you were going into this summer thinking great things. You know, you went into this summer thinking LeBron James and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, uh, you know, Justin Zanuck and David Griffin or whatever, and you ended up with Wilson Chandler Zaire Smith um, and Elton Brand, you know, so collectively when you look at it like that, it wasn't the amazing summer that everybody thought it was going to be. It's not like they took this massive step forward. Um, but the thing with the team is talking about the star power and trying to lure big free agents. 
and I've talked about this before and, and asked Brett about it last year and, and we said at the end of the day does it really matter you know when you're you're trying to acquire a big free agent or something like that does it really matter who the general manager is no it really shouldn't because if you have 20 million dollars in cap space um, and you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and whoever theoretically that should be enough right um, it doesn't matter if I don't know who's in the news now it doesn't matter if Brett Kavanaugh or Stormy Daniels is your general manager. If you have twenty <laughs> twenty million dollars to to pay somebody and they like playing with their teammates, the, the GM really doesn't. Whatever you know, I don't. I think Elton Brand actually might be decent at that. You know, call Clay Thompson on the phone and say, "Hey, listen, I know you're set on Golden State, but why don't you come over here and we'll have a conversation about it." I, th- I think players in the league respect him as a former player and somebody who's, who's put a lot of time and given a lot of service to the league. Um, do I trust Elton Brand to do a late night you know pick swap at the deadline? No, not really. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's that's what these things are going to be predicated on is, you know, what kind of talent do you have there? How much cap space do you have? Where are you going to get paid? Um, and, and who the coaches? Maybe, you know, Brett Brown, you know, if they'd like coming here and playing a high tempo up and down style, you'd think that would have something to do with it. So I, I just think at the end of the day, it really, you know, as far as the star hunting, star developing side of it or whatever, it, that's that really doesn't matter as much in the end. It's more about the finer details, you know? I think I think you're va- yeah I, I agree with you on the star thing like it doesn't ultimately matter what the GM is himself um, and it, I don't think anything would have made much of a difference this off season but you know there, there's probably a certain player out there not that the GM himself matters but hey where is this team going do they have someone who's in charge who looks like they're executing on their plan and uh, yeah. you know i think it might matter insofar as that like hey where's this team going am i confident that the guy who's making the decisions can get us there i think more important for someone like brand and again we just don't know like to sit here and really evaluate it you just don't know what he was going to turn out to be the same way you know uh, probably we all should have been a little bit more hesitant on doug peterson I mean, it was uh, like, I think literally a year ago on here, I was calling the guy a boob. And now I would, you know, happily, happily take a look at his massive stones just to see if they're indeed as large as we think they are. Um, But like, I feel like with, you know, the thing with brand is I think you're underselling what a GM might do in those last minute deadline deals, because it's not always just about, okay, we have X, X amount of cap space and X amount to spend. Like there is a a lot of gray area in those situations. And there are a lot of very clever things that could be done in all sports, not just basketball, which is why when someone says, Oh, you know, they can't go out and trade for this guy because he would do this to the cap. Well, like, yes and no, there are many different levers levers you can pull in all sports to get things done, to be creative, to front and backload contracts, you know, and you know, the more ingenuity you have, Sometimes, you know, the better you're able to be in those situations. I think you need to look no further than Sam Hinkie. Not saying he was or wasn't the guy to bring the team to the promised land, but, um, you know, look at the trade he pulled off with the Kings and many of the trades that became valuable assets down the line that the Sixers have used or flipped and and all of that. uh, They've, you know, pretty quantifiably won many of those trades. And those are things that someone who doesn't have experience or, or foresight, and I'm not saying Brand doesn't, wouldn't be able to do. So I think, you know, there is a definitely a difference between a good and bad GM and uh, having experience and, and all of that stuff does come into play. But again, we just don't know about Brand. I think it's disappointing because it's an unknown quantity and it feels maybe just a little bit risky at this point. You know, you have all this invested in the process and Simmons and Embiid. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're going to need to do something to get to the next level. And, and 
Elton Brand is, I guess, going to be the guy making that decision, at least for the next 12 months. You know, you know let me jump on happens. that real quick, though, Kyle. So the... I don't know. Maybe maybe that maybe that's part of this. So the the GM, just in in terms of the day to day operations of the team, and and you know like it's it's come out plenty uh, this off season. It's been a story for I think the better part of a year and a half now. Is no one seems to know what the exact relationship between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is uh, off the court. It seems like they aren't exactly the best of friends. Which it, I don't think it matters all that much. I don't think we have like a Kevin Durant Russell Westbrook kind of situation on our hands. But if you're um, looking for somebody who can you know, maybe I'm not even saying like men fences. I, I don't think there's any kind of tension that exists there that that's already caused a rift. But if you're looking for somebody who can like, I don't know, pull the team together cohesively and provide that kind of veteran, you know, leadership to those guys and kind of showing them, you know, why it's better to work together. Uh, even I, if you I, might not, I think you're you know, implying something that no one has ever implied exists. Who's what who said between, not between Ben and Joel. It's yeah. been, it's been the talk of NBA Twitter the entire summer. It's been reported on on at least three, I think, different Ringer articles. It's been brought up on uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, the I believe two iterations oh. of the like. I'm just saying, like it's it's been out there. It's been out there among agents and front office personnel. Like it's it has been a thing. It's not necessarily that um, you know it is a an existing rift. I'm just saying, like there there have been things that have come out in the past. Even JJ Redick, like look, Redick was on with Zach Lowe recently. And this came up, the, the, the potential tension or potential lack of lining up personality-wise between Joel and Ben. And he did not go out of his way to say, no, these guys are great together. They, um, he didn't do anything to necessarily put that or to dispel that notion. He certainly didn't make it sound like it was you know um, about to become like an impending doom situation. But he said, not necessarily every player needs to you know be best friends. That tells me that these guys don't necessarily see, you know, they don't have the exact same kind of personality. Ben Simmons spends a lot of time uh, with his family. He's more of a, I guess, a family guy. Embiid is is apparently introverted off the court, um, as per Reddick. So, um, it it is out there. And if what? if felt, I'm t- what? I'm, no, I'm not doubting. You. I'm saying I'm these just... these these are things that Reddick said, you know, recently. Um, yeah, but just because they're not like the greatest of friends doesn't automatically mean that they dislike each other. They don't. No, and, and that's what something. I'm saying. Like, I'm, but, but I'm not saying all, that there's, all, that there's ba- a big thing. But this is all I'm based say- on the idea that people think that like Simmons is going to walk and go join LeBron in LA or something at the end of his and rookie sign, deal or whatever. Yeah, and that, that's what all. Deal, that's yeah. what that's the genesis, the groundswell of what all that shit is about. I don't. I don't. You know, they they have two more years here, three more years here, whatever, to to take a crack at the NBA finals and say to Ben Simmons, say, maybe your best your best bet is just to stay here with us, you know? Yeah, and that's why I'm saying, like, the the thing that Elton can do, I think, is is kind of show those guys, show the team as a whole, even, um, you know, the way that players, it, it doesn't really matter, you know, how, how well you work together off the court. I mean, if, if you have something special on the court, Kobe and Shaq made it work all those years, won multiple titles. It's not... The, they're not the first group to do it and they certainly won't be the last um you know maybe elton is able to help these guys you know mature as a team and i don't know if he can add that kind of aspect is and, and he has obviously some respect from guys across the league as having been a pro um then I, I think you know maybe this is the the one kind of social intelligence thing that maybe not everyone is kind of taking into account like I, there might be something to be said for it Embiid went on twitter and he congratulated um elton brand on getting the gig I, i'm I, I think a lot of the guys on the team like him and respect him um simmons latest tweet says squad 
P-U-B-G. Is that that video game? That yeah, he's, he's just, he was asking uh, if anybody wants to play PUBG. Yeah. Okay, I've never played that one. I tried playing, I downloaded Fortnite, and I played it like just to see what all the rage is or whatever. And I didn't really, I didn't like really read up much on it beforehand. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I parachuted in to like a, a map or something. I ran around, you're supposed to find a weapon or whatever. And I didn't, I couldn't find anybody to shoot at or shoot at me, and I just ran around in five minutes, and then somebody shot me in the back. And uh, that was like the end of the game, I guess. I think that's how it turns out for all uh, hashtag noobs. I tried as well, and it's pretty. Much, I just ran away and hid. And then <laughs> yep, after a while, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Well, it is, but then I'm like, all right, well, it's no fun. So let me go at least try and like scope out one guy. And then it's like, oh, there's a, I'm dead. Yeah, that's what I didn't get because like it's one, it's one death, and that's it. Like I, I was totally exposed as a noob, um, and I would probably be pretty bad uh, as an esports athlete. I played it once online uh, on a phone, and uh, I think I got third place in my one and only game. When I walked around with an axe, I chopped down a bunch of trees. I got a bunch of supplies. I built some kind of weird stairway uh, to try to like lead it up to the top of a mountain, and apparently if you shoot the bottom uh, rung of a ladder or a ramp or something, the whole thing crashes, and I died at the end. Oh. I did make it to third. You're full I of hit. shit. If you were number three out of fifty on your first try, I I'm, just, I'm I don't def- know how else I'm to say. I don't believe you. I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred. Everybody serious. else killed killed the other forty seven people, and then they they came and yeah, killed I, us. Yeah, I legitimately went to the top of some mountain. There was like a there was like an ice cream truck and a house. I went in the house and I like opened up a bunch of chests and like got stuff. And then I just started building ramps. That's all I did. Yeah. And then well, the, and I would lead my ramp into a giant tree. Because you can't you can't snipe at somebody if you can't see them. You can see where the road goes to, but you can't actually see inside of the tree. Well, these so these things. these kids should just be happy that esports was not a thing back when when GoldenEye 007 came out, or else I'd be the I'd be the captain of the Philadelphia Fusion right now. <laughs> Carpe Carpe would be answering to me, um, and I would be the the leader of the team. I still got to wear my Carpe jersey. Yeah, when are you gonna rock rock here. that thing, man? I don't know. I gotta. I gotta get. I feel like to wear that. Um, I'm. I'm a bit of a noodle more so than normal at this point. Mm. I feel like I gotta have a couple of days. Uh, do some. Do some buys before that thing uh, goes on me. Oh, so I get it. Yeah, well, that's all right. Really yeah. You gotta make sure you get, uh, if you're gonna do the like the Instagram or something. You gotta get it just right. Exactly. Speaking of exactly. Uh, sponsorships, we have uh, we have two sponsors that we we need to talk about before we continue on with the rest of the show. Kyle, do you uh, do you want to lead off with Tropicana, or do you want me to lead with Amerigas? How do you want to go? Yeah, I like to talk about Tropicana. Everybody likes orange juice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, so yes, Tropicana. Uh, so look, um, obviously, if you guys have been following the site, we've been hashtag big on the sports betting thing. I think uh, a lot of our readers are into it or will be into it and um there's a you know a lot of good opportunity there as well but uh tropicana is kind of interesting in that they do not yet uh, i believe they will soon have a a sports book at their casino and i'm sure they will at some point have some sort of online offering Uh, but right now um, they are offering anybody whether you're in new jersey or pennsylvania or wherever else to play for free in their online game Uh, And basically what it is, is each day they have all of the available action, all of these spreads, and you can go in, sign up for an account, totally free to play. You're basically, it's 
strictly just for fun games, um, but you're playing for great prizes. So they're giving away things like uh, hotel rooms, uh, party for you and your friends at one of the bars at their uh, casino, like Chickies and Pete's. Uh, sometimes they'll give away a penthouse for the bigger slates, you know, maybe maybe a, a Sunday football slate if you win that. So go to the site, hit the Tropicana link, sign up, you can play, track your progress, see how you do. So if and when uh, in your area there is uh, real betting that is offered, you'll kind of have an idea and get your feet wet if you've never bet before. Doing it for free and for fun is a good way to do it. So check out Tropicana Sports. Uh, pretty interesting. Hit the link, sign up, play, and if if you win for that day or for that thing, you'll be entered to win uh, great prizes. And I know, uh, I think some readers or, or folks around the site have gotten some, actually won some of the smaller prizes already. So we've only been promoting it for a little while now. So check out Tropicana Sports. Uh, hit the play now button on uh, Crossing Broad and, and sign up. All right. You want to tell uh, us about propane? Yeah, I love propane. I uh, love going out and grilling. And of course, if you're going to go grill and you're going to talk about propane, there's only one company to talk about. And that, of course, is Amerigas, the nation's number one provider of propane found locally at 7-Eleven and Home Depot and at thousands of locations uh, nationwide. If you go on to crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas, you can find our most recent contest that I believe goes through September 29th. So you've got just over a week to go. Um, if you go on to crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas, you can enter to win a grill valued at $499 from a top brand, maybe the top brand. I don't know if we're allowed to say what the brand is on the podcast, but the brand is very good, believe me. One of the if greatest If you go brands. to Kyle, my Instagram, and look at my save story of us grilling, and you may see Russ putting a steak on the ground in that, and if you look at the two grills in the background, it might be the same brand as that one. Ah, uh, yes, yes. That's a good way to put it. Uh, so anyway... The, uh, the contest is open for uh, just over another week. All you have to do is put in your name and email, and that's that's just about it. And uh, you will be entered to win the grill. And nothing goes better with uh, football and the upcoming basketball, hockey, and everything else season. Quite like uh, tailgating with a nice grill. So uh, so go go do it. It's free. So go go have at it. Amerigas, thank you to them. Thank you, of course, to Tropicana. By the way, did you know that uh, Orange Juice, speaking of Tropicana, Orange Juice goes bad. Like a lot faster than I thought it did. Like, 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 like maybe three week. weeks. No, it's, no, it's, no it, it was like you're buying bad ju- unless you, if you're buying purely organic, like the fresh squeeze, like Whole Foods fresh squeeze stuff, that'll last you like two days because there's nothing. Yeah, well, in there I bought the uh, the low acid Tropicana, and I think it only lasted like two weeks. I miss the days of high C or uh, no Sunny D, Sunny D. That stuff, <sighs> that stuff will last. The back you of at my least throat burns months. just thinking about Sunny. Are you serious. D. Side note, yeah, yeah. Side note, uh, real quick on on grilling accessories. I was actually speaking to a a fellow podcaster uh, the other day, oh. and they they said they were um, about to close Kingsford Charcoal as their sponsor. And I said, let me tell you something. If that doesn't work out for you, uh, we have a great propane sponsor. And then that guy proceeded to tell me that he uh, disrespected people who cooked with propane. And uh, at that point, we had reached a crossroads and uh, pretty pretty much uh, a fissure in our in our speaking relationship. And uh, yeah, that's the whole you story. You put the person on blast or no? Uh, I'm not going to put them on blast. Uh, but I will you, say you can that... You uh, can uh, type it into our, our thing I, here. I will say that um, uh, it's good to see that all of, all of the grilling... Uh, proponents are getting into the podcast advertising game. There's plenty of room for propane, charcoal, and you know, quite frankly, if there's what about a wood infrared? company, is there if there's a infrared? Yeah, if there's an infrared Infrared's bars scary, company, man. you want to talk about a grill that gets really hot? Infrared is some scary stuff. That's where you need to go next. 
Or maybe we'll buy an infrared grill for Phil's house, and then the next time Jeff decides to uh, light Phil's siding on fire, it'll be great. Anyway, let's uh, let's um, get back to to the Sixers. So, so speaking of fissures in relationships, um, today was the annual, semi-annual, annual, second annual, third annual Brett Brown Media Luncheon. I think he's done um, it like five or I think he's done it every year that he's been here, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think it's like five uh, or so six years. New to you. First, if it's new to you, yeah, it's my new first to you, Kevin. It's your first, first year one. there. Yeah. Uh, so you were there. And um, first of all, we'd like to hear how it went. And then, you know, there was a, I guess there was a, an interesting moment, an awkward moment that you found yourself uh, yeah. a, part, <laughs> a part of. Um, yeah. No, it was good, so, man. Um, Phil Sin. Yeah, it was really, it, they, they did it down at, uh, down at the Navy Yard, the Naval Yard. Is it the Navy Yard or the Naval Yard? I can never remember. Um, Navy? Yeah. But they did it at that uh, that Bar Amis place, the Italian place, like right when you roll in there um, before you take the left and you go around uh, Crescent Drive there. But uh, mm. yeah, it was nice. Um, Brett Brown, there's like 12 or 13 media members who were there, mostly like the main group of people who were there all the time. And uh, it's just like an informal kind of thing where they bring out a bunch of courses of, of uh, you know food and you basically just sit there like it's a, a normal media availability, but it, it's... You know, I, you're, you're there for two hours and you're asking a lot of different stuff. And it's basically like the first real media availability that you've had with Brett all all summer, you know, since the, the draft or whatever the last thing was, you know. I guess the last time we would have talked to him was during the draft and I was I was in Europe at the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we asked him like pretty much everything there was to ask. You know, a lot of general manager questions, which are obsolete now, you know, with the, the hiring of Elton Brand. Um, asked him about Markel Foltz, Ben Simmons, uh, Nemanja Bialica, what the hell happened there. Um, we basically ran like the whole gamut of stuff and I'm trying to transcribe all that and get it up for tomorrow. It's like, it was like 90 minutes, more than 90 minutes. It was almost like two full hours of, um, of talking to Brett. And, uh, so at the end of it, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, we've kind of answered all the questions, um, that there are to answer. And so I, I kind of had this idea to ask him something different. I, I just was like, Brett, you know, this is a this is a media luncheon. So I want to ask you a little bit about the media. Um, and I mean, basically the gist of it, I transcribed the whole damn, damn thing here. I'm looking at it right now, but, um, the gist should, of, should we, do, should we read it? Read it. Read read it. Well, no, I should mean, I can, I can read it all read out, but I kind of, I feel like, I feel like there's like a little bit of background that, that people should know, or that like, is kind of interesting. Um, I think this is kind of on brand for us since we evaluate the media, as a, as a whole, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, for people who don't know, like the NBA, there's more media availability, availability than any other sport probably in the world, if we're being honest, because uh, I can't think of anything else overseas that does as much availability as the media does. And a lot of that is it's, it's mandated, you know, they've reached agreements with, um, you know, organizations, writers and stuff like that, that says, Hey, we'll, we'll make them available at, at this time, this time, this time, and this time. So Brett Brown will speak before a game. He'll speak after a game. Um, he'll speak after practice the next day. Uh, he'll speak, um, at a shoot around at an away game. You know, sometimes he'll spend like, he'll do like four or five media hits in like two days or three days. Um, you know, it gets to the point where we're just asking him the same shit over and over and over again. I mean, how many times can you say like, Hey, how does JJ Reddick and the other veterans, how are they helping the younger guys on the team? Like who gives a fuck? Like we answer. When is Carson Wentz starting? When is Carson? Yeah, exactly. yeah, how is Carson exactly. Wentz's uh, knee? Does he have to be cleared by the doctors? You know, what does his GPS tracking say? Like all <laughs> that, like 
crap. And like, I get it. Like I, I make fun of the Eagles guys who ask the same things over and over again, but we're in the same boat because there's so much availability. It just becomes redundant, you know, and it's not the same group of people who's there all the time. Like, for example, here's a good example of it. The Boston playoff game, when they came back from game five, or no, it was game, they didn't make it to game five. It was after game two. Brett Brown spoke to the media the night before in Boston, and then he came he spoke to them at like a 10 o'clock, 10 30, 11 o'clock, something like that, you know? And then he came back to Philly and the rest of the, and he talked to the people who didn't travel. He talked to us at like 10 in the morning, the next day, less than 12 hours later, while the rest of the media group hadn't even gotten back from Boston yet. They hadn't even physically made it back to, to Philadelphia from Boston. Um, so I've just always found that interesting how the NBA mandates more media availability for coaches and, and players than really any, any thing, any other league in the world. Yeah, the NFL, By you, the way, that's my all-time favorite is the short turnaround. They do this in the NFL. You know, they'll play <laughs> like this Sunday night game in Seattle at 8, yeah. and then Doug Peterson will be at the podium at 12, and, like, somehow, some way, Les Bowen has gotten himself there and, you know, wearing <laughs> yeah. the same thing with the, you know, with the record. I don't know. If, I'm sure he changes. But, like, those guys are up at, like, 4 a.m. to make the flight to go speak to the coach after the last thing they did was – speak to the coach well yeah and it's it's i mean you're sitting there thinking logically i mean would it not just make sense instead of doing two 20 minute availabilities in in eight hours why not just do one 30 minute availability it, it gets to the point where people are just asking the same things over and over and over again and i understand like the newspaper writers who are on deadlines and stuff like that write like a 500 word story based off of two quotes and like a lot of the younger writers like me and newbeck and and bodner and rich and some of the digital people we specialize in writing stories without quotes you know we can mm -hmm. sit there and cut four video clips for you and four four stills and say hey this is what spider two y banana is you know um and a lot of the older guys have always just been more conditioned to here's a couple quotes right off of that here's a couple quotes right off of that um obviously we've talked about that on this podcast ad nauseum about the media as a whole but just to to take it back to what it is i i asked brett i said quote um, Brett, you did a lot of media last year before games, after games, shoot around practices, 97.5 The Fanatic, 94 WIP. Uh, you probably spoke to us for hours last year. Uh, what did you take away from those interactions in general? Was it fair, unfair, positive, negative? Uh, did people write fair stuff? Were there any annoying questions or things you had to answer repeatedly? Um, the NBA does require you to do a lot of media. And Brown says, quote, it is the least favorite thing that I do. <clears throat> Not because of, and then Mike Sielski jumped in and he said, gee thanks and everybody starts laughing <laughs> and um but brown continues and he says but mike it's the truth it's not because of you all or the questions that you ask it's the repetition and so i chimed in and i said are you, is it the same questions over and over again and brown says well it's not even the same questions it's the volume of the man hours i spent i get tired of hearing myself really and it gets think about it. you do shoot around you do post game you do pre-game you do afterwards i enjoy talking to you all right but the frequency of it four times in a day, how could you not? So when I say it's the least favorite thing, it's based on the volume, not the content. And it's Philadelphia. And there are times when it's, this isn't true and it's unfair for sure, but you move on. I feel like I've handled that okay. There are some times where I want to fight back. You definitely want to fight. And there are times you just dust it off and go fishing or biking or whatever. And it's an interesting question you ask. So we kind of kept going back and forth for a little bit. And I was asking him about... Um, you know, how do you smooth that out? How do we make the interactions better? You know, I mean, is what do you what do you think about? You know, is there a way for us to improve it, or just to get more out of our availability with Brett Brown, or to kind of like address that problem of just it's the the volume? You know, um, and we started talking about the star hunting quote that he gave 
after the draft last year when they did the Zaire Smith trade. And everybody keeps talking about this quote, and they keep saying star hunting, star hunting. But that's not the full quote. He said we are – it was something like we are star hunting – Commas. You're either star hunt, yeah. You're either star hunting or you're star developing. Star developing, right? So it wasn't that they were just going out there and looking. That quote came back to bite him in the ass because people cut the sound bite short and they were only talking about the first half of it. Star hunting, star hunting. So I brought that up as like an example of like, okay, is that one of the out of context things that people talk about, right? And another media member who was sitting there across the table from me uh, interrupted and said something like, "I need to." Uh, I forget what he said. I, I got the quote here. He said, you you can't, you, um, and I won't even do the impression. Uh, you know what I can stop that. You know what? Can I stop this for a second? I don't think this is the right time, but there are certain people in here that might have just said star hunting, not the right form. And then you say. Well, uh, yeah. And so, let me, hang on. Let me scroll up here. I thought I typed it out somewhere. <laughs> Trying um, the method act here. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll, I'll give you method acting. Well, he said, yeah, I understand your question, but there are certain people in here that might have just said star hunting. I don't think this is the right forum. And he said something like, we have 11, we only have 11 minutes left in this session. And honestly, I don't give a fuck about star hunting. And like, I get it. I've known this guy for forever. I, I consider him a, a friend and somebody who I've, I, I get along with. I have no issues with whatsoever. And we went, and then we just sort of devolved into an argument. I said, we're just having a, we're just having a conversation here. This is not like a, we're not ragging on anybody specifically. This is not personal. We're not going after the media. Uh, I'm not criticizing anybody who wrote star hunting instead of star developing. I'm not trying to rag anybody. I'm, I'm sitting here with you all. I am part of the 12 or 13 people who sitting here with you guys asking Brett Brown questions. It's a media luncheon. Let me ask you a question about the media. You know, you do talk to us a lot. How can we improve these things, make them better? What do you think about it? He gave an honest and candid answer, and it got cut off by somebody who thought it was inappropriate to talk about that, even though we had already asked him one hour and 40 minutes of questions. And ironically, Brett's sitting there saying, well, I have to do too much media. And so he's talking about that and giving an, an interesting answer. And that gets cut off by somebody who thinks it's not appropriate to talk about that. And so we argued a little bit. I yelled at this person. This person yelled back at me. Um, at the table in front of Brett Brown. Yeah, and Brett said, I have no idea what the – he just like leaned back and said, I have no idea what the hell just happened. And it was <laughs> – <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad. About yeah, that's how most Sixers fans feel after seeing Elton Brand as the, uh, as the GM. Yeah. Sorry. I, no, I, I mean, I felt bad because like, we are invited by the Sixers to come down there. They're paying for this like elaborate dinner for like 25 people because all the PR people are down there too and there's photographers and everybody's eating or whatever. It's probably like a thousand – more than a thousand dollars, of course. And here we are arguing at the coach's media luncheon that he invited us to and he's paying for. So I'm just like – uh, so I said he ain't paying for that. I got news for you. Well, right, you know what I, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and so I said to this person, he and this person said to me, "Why don't we go outside and talk about it?" So after the whole thing wrapped up, we went outside. Cash me outside. Cash How me about outside. that? And we, uh, I felt so awkward reading, you know, reading slash seeing that because I was like, "Oh man, them's fighting words." Well, we yelled. We went outside <laughs> and we yelled at each other for like ten minutes. Again, this is somebody I've known for like six or seven years, so it's not like I dislike this person or that I have anything against this person. We just, we, like guys, I, I think kind of just blow up and get over it. Whereas like some other people, like you might hold grudges or whatever the hell. I don't, I don't care about that, but I just, I didn't. Some other people like who? Uh, well, we're not going to go down that road, but um, <laughs> other people. It's the difference between the, the birds and the bees. It's the birds and the bees. Well, I think people. the bees, people, they want to talk to each people other can for, put two, for the next People can put two and two together. Years. Sometimes people put the knife in the back and just leave it there, you know? But uh, yeah, guys just yeah. guys just blow up and kind of get over it. But it, it just, 
I, I don't know. I the, the irony of it is that this person saying we don't have time for this when we just had two hours to ask him anything we wanted, and we're going to get him on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday anyway. So I guess to circle it back around, it's just we have eleven minutes left. We have to get we have to squeeze every quote out of out of. We have Brett to Brown ask we him. We have can. to ask him if Mark Helfoltz can shoot a jump shot. We have to ask him how many jump shots he's he's seen this summer. We have to ask him. We have to ask him if Ben, if ben and Joel. Guys. Yeah. We have to ask him if Ben and Joel get along. We have to ask him about turnover, turnovers for the fortieth time in the year. It's just that people got to get. How's the we, uh, how's the dynamic of the team going to be different with Amir Johnson making a, a veteran minimum instead of ten million dollars? Yeah. Or how do you year? how do you balance giving Carson Wentz too many uh, training reps versus not enough training? Like it's just. We, we it, there's I know we live in, in in an era of like Donald Trump thinks that we we are like the enemy of the people or whatever the hell and people get and because of that I think like we the media are kind of like naturally defensive about our jobs and stuff like that because it's just a weird fucking time but at the end of the day there's nothing wrong with just taking a step back and saying hey coach what do you think about all this you know I mean what are your observations on this and taking a look at the job you're doing and just think if you're doing a good job or if you're doing things the right way or the wrong way or there's nothing wrong with just self-evaluation asking that question it's not like I was trying to go after anybody specifically or throw anybody in the bus I didn't get what the fuck the big deal was you know well I mean I, I guess the best thing that people could do is they could just do a very simple google of the uh of the uh, we are star hunting and you know, put different uh, beat writers in there, and you might be able to figure out uh, who might have misquoted him at some point. I will point out, though, this is the whole thing. So when when Brett Brown, this is the whole quote: to enhance a realistic trade for a star uh, on why they made the trade, we are star hunting or we are star developing. That's how you win a championship. The emotion of all that we have been through is painful, but it's what's best for the organization. And when that quote was initially said, and I can't believe that we're still having fallout from it all these months later, but like. You know, when that quote came out, everybody said, well, we're so glad that he was he was open and honest. And this is why, you know, a coach isn't usually the GM. And this is why, like, GMs like Colangelo typically, you know, do double speak and don't really give you any info. They're just more polished at it. We thought that Brett was refreshing. The problem is, like, even if you wanted to break down the semantics of that quote, he says we are star hunting or we are star developing. And the fact that he had gone out of his way to, you know, point out the fact that they were very clearly going to pursue LeBron James mm-hmm. and that they had acquired this pick for a potential trade which was very clearly meant for Kawhi Leonard you know this this again like it was a refreshing moment of honesty but when you strike out on all these things and you kind of put that together with you know ownership saying that the GM position is the most attractive in sports like you know ultimately we are like is this team any better and I guess this kind of pivots us out of that previous discussion but like is this team really that much better uh, in any way shape or form than what they were last year like do we really think that they're going to win like 50, 56-ish games. I don't know. Like, the conference is obviously weaker. LeBron has left. Uh, the The conference pretty much has, uh, I would say, three three legitimate teams, maybe four, if you think Indiana has it together. But, uh, or unless you To you're... me, that whole question hinges on Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. It's, you know, how much has Embiid's game improved? Because there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, I think it's conditioning. Know, to be honest, like I, mean, I, I know, I know what you're saying, but I, I think so much of, of what he does, he's got all those. He has all the moves. He has all the skills. He has the he has the body. He has the physicality. He has the physical attributes. But I don't think but he his does. Condi- and he his was, conditioning, he, uh, you know, I think is what kind of hurt him down the stretch at the end of last season. 
But he, you know, but he had also missed time going into the playoffs and all that. And I, I'm not so sure that was, a, you know, that that was a, a bug, not a feature. I mean, he was, he yeah. was coming off an injury. But, you know, he, he has said, hey, I could be better. Like, I want to be better in the post. I want to have more moves with the ball in my hand. I want to be able to shoot more reliably. Like, he can improve. But, you know, Ben Simmons can improve a lot. He has to add, you know, very well-known elements to his game, as does Markel Fultz. If... If those guys do what we expect, and you know we, we're going to talk about this, so we're blue in the face. But you know, to me, it's like the fringes of the roster have not improved. You know, you could say they're the same, a little bit better, a little bit worse, the same. I think you can make an argument for any of the three of those. Uh, ultimately, it's going to come down to all right. You know, if we have two superstars and a phenom rookie, you know, quote unquote rookie in Markel Fultz. You know, this could be exactly where we thought and hoped it would be two years ago before the Fultz thing and all of that. But if we have the same version of Ben Simmons, just a little bit better, while that is great and he's a great player and he's putting up triple doubles, his ceiling is way down if, if he, you know, is, is never able to expand the paint because teams, you know, the Celtics gave a very good blueprint on how to defend the Sixers going forward. So, you know, it's a tough question to answer because it's, it's, you have to set aside the fact that we just don't know if those guys are going to improve. Well, you were if still Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both first-team All NBA guys, and Fultz is, you know, a All Star in the making. Then you know yeah. they're they're well on their way. Well, you were still going to, you know, regardless, even if you landed Kawhi or Paul George was going to come here or something like that. You you still needed big leaps and strides from Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, you know, it's not like just bringing LeBron in here was going to get them to a title. I mean, they, that in-house development was always a topic anyway. <laughs> no, because I mean, you still ran well, into the same, still ran into the same problems with Ben's shooting, with Joel's conditioning. I mean, they, they needed to make in-house strides in addition to whatever they were going to do outside anyway. And I feel like people kind of forget that. It wasn't just that these, these guys that you have in-house are automatics because all three of them do have, have big question marks, you know? So I, I think conceptually I agree with what you're saying, but there's there's one part of, of that hypothetical that, that I think we're not kind of taking into account. And part of that is, yeah, do we need a, a massive improvement by, Mar- by Markel Fultz? Absolutely. But the, the difference is, had you been able to acquire one of the uh, star players that you mentioned, that puts Markel Fultz and all the, the lights on him, that it puts him on the back burner. It no longer becomes as much of a necessity for him to become the player that you drafted if you have a guy like that can get a bucket like LeBron or Kawhi or Paul George. Um, that's kind of why, like, you know, I think when Sixers Twitter kind of went ablaze that um, Minnesota is, as usual, having problems with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, and now Carl Anthony Towns and his agent are holding up contract extension talks. Um, you know, I think people kind of went nuts thinking about conceptually, like, is there a way that Jimmy Butler could fit here? Because we know Jimmy Butler can get a bucket, and it's only a one-year uh Really, you're only trading for one year left on his deal. He does have a player option for just over $19 million for uh, the 2019-2020 season. Um, everybody expects him to opt out, obviously, after the season. Um, but in theory, you know that, that provides you a guy that can get a bucket, and it would allow you to make Markel, if you wanted to, make him the backup point guard. Yeah, and there aren't going yeah. to be you know quite as many spotlights on him if he's not being relied upon to be the guy that we drafted. Now, if this, you know, even if acquiring Jimmy Butler for... Uh, like a modest price. I don't know what that what that looks like, um, but if you're able to acquire him for you know not having to give up, uh, I, I don't obviously want to give up faults. So pretty much anybody else on the team, like if if it's that in a pick to get a year of Jimmy Butler and allow Fultz one more year of you know getting 
minutes against backup players as a way to kind of rebuild his confidence and build his confidence in his shot and not have to face as much scrutiny from fans if things don't go well to start the season, then like I think that in theory is is worth it. Never mind the fact that like Jimmy Butler is a good player, I, although the locker room concern uh, is certainly there. He's a no-nonsense guy, and he's somebody who's pretty much gone to war uh, against against his teammates, especially those young players right, like, uh, like Wiggins let's, and Anthony Towns in Minnesota. Let's move along the, the NBC off uh, hot stove. I think we've litigated that enough this offseason heading into the, heading into the year. Um, we should probably touch on Matthews before we finish up. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Matt. Well, Jeremy now that I, well, I was anti Josh Gordon, and you you were pro Josh Gordon. I don't I don't know what Russ was, but uh, now that's I'm I'm glad that that was over. Were you pro before. or minus Russ? I was pro. So I was in the minority. I was pro. Though. It's but, a, it was a fifth round pick. You know, if nothing else, New England got him for a fifth round. Well, pick. here's here's the thing. I mean, we can we can look back on Eagles fifth round picks and all that. But like, no, I I, I get it. I, I don't. I, I I see the positives of of course. I mean, the guy's got a ton of skill. You know, but he just I just looked at a guy who had six or seven years to get his shit together and couldn't do it. So it's it's not that it was weed or whatever the hell. Like so, what dude wants to smoke a blunt? Whatever. Uh, it's that he 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 was not reliable for year after year after year after year. And any other team would have cut him loose long before that. Jordan, Jordan Matthews, I just wrote this thing like a couple hours ago. He's not the panacea to fix everything here, but you can do a lot. You can do a lot worse than Jordan Matthews. Um, he was reliable and steady when he was here. Eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns, three touchdowns. He had something like eight hundred yards every single year he was here. Um, he's a slot receiver, which is which is the problem. I mean, Aguilar's your slot receiver, and he's coming off a career year there. But you already had to move him to the outside to make up for Jeffrey not being here. And for the Mike Wallace injury, so does it really matter? I mean, you bring Matthews in, you play him in the slot for a little bit, move Aguilar to the outside, lean on Zach Ertz heavily, and maybe use the six foot five tight end that you traded up to draft. I don't. I just don't think in week three of the Super Bowl defense season that they're at the point where they got to go for like a Des Bryant or something like that. I, I really do think they have enough in house that they can get by until Carson Wentz is throwing the ball to Alshon Jeffrey. Hopefully next week or the week after that. See, I don't think it's I. I I think the framing on this is wrong. Um, you know, on your part, on some others, over the um, here you go. Uh, Corey Coleman passed through waivers unclaimed. Um, I, I, you know, I think the framing is wrong. It's not a save the season sort of move to get Josh Gordon, and we don't spend a ton of time on Gordon because obviously he's with the Patriots. It was all about, hey, you know, you have a, you now have a little bit of a need, not a ton. Like Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz. Like you could do. There's a lot of teams that would that would take those as your top three uh, receiving options, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I can't believe we're saying that about Aguilar, but he's he's had you know I, the last year was not a fluke, and the way he played on Sunday, making some big catches, some tough catches where he's able to hold on to the ball. I mean, those are things a couple of years ago that were not happening. Yeah. I think what he dropped one ball in week one or last week, he dropped like one pass, and it you know, but you could just tell like his confidence wasn't eroded. I think he I think it was him. Anyway. Um, mm. You know, it was more about like, hey, you got this market inefficiency, and for good reason. Like, the guy's been a crumb, you know, basically his entire time in the NFL, but he's with a bad team. Like, it's a bad situation. Cleveland's got enough to worry about at this point where, you know, I I wrote the other day, no team has crawled out of the gutter on the backs of, like, a good wide receiver. The worst way to build the team is from the outside in. You know, we've seen this time and again. You know, how many receivers has the Lions drafted in an attempt to become relevant? Like, you you have to have a more solid core, and then you can, as we've seen with the Eagles last year, 
year, and I've been a firm believer in this with the running back uh, position, maybe less so with the wide receivers. You can add a you you can find an athletic guy who can run on a for for one year if you have good blocking. You know, you could find a guy who's talented enough to be a decent receiver. That's my dog hawking up a hairball. Oh, Haley. Uh, yeah. How's she doing? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. To be honest, <laughs> she gonna be all right back there. Yeah, yeah, she's okay. Oh, okay. She just What's she wearing? Me. What's she wearing? A collar? She got a collar. What color is the collar? She got a collar. You want to? You're 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 making me go to a weird place, Russ. <laughs> um, no, but like I, so I just to me it was all it was all about hey, it's not that crazy by virtue of looking what the Patriots said. Like as much as I hate to say, like they're still the the gold standard in football, and they do it because they occasionally will identify these things out there, um, these players that are out there. Uh, whether they're diamonds in the rough, like a Hogan, or you know guys who have a big name but maybe a little bit of a, a troubled past, like Josh Gordon, and they're able to plug them in and get something out of them and resurrect careers, you know, re- resurrect a Legarrette Blunt and and you know allow him to be serviceable yeah, for yeah. two teams. And I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like we don't need to spend a ton of time on Gordon, but I don't think it was about saving the season. It was about hey, this guy's out there. You have a good situation. There's really not a ton to lose. Obviously, it wouldn't have cost that much to get him. You give him a one strike in your out rule, but he's such a premium talent that you you know place confidence in your locker room and culture that you know he's going to come in and be given that one last chance well and at least the Patriots at least the Patriots then were able were able to swing that so they get the pick back if he if he bombs out and you know bullshits his way to not playing you know so if the Eagles were were to swing something like that then yeah of course of course yeah but I you know I will say I mean yeah I I was actually not in favor of trading Jordan Matthews at the time and something else I was wrong on but (laughs) uh you know, although after watching Ronald Darby attempt to tackle the other day, maybe we can take that back. Well, nobody um, knew, and and to be fair, I mean, like nobody knew what Aguilar was going to be in the slot last year. Remember, I mean, he was a huge question mark coming into last mm-hmm. year. So I think that's that's why people felt the way they did about about Matt the Matthews trade at the time. There was a lot of legitimacy legitimacy to that, you know. And all the credit in the world goes to the Eagles for identifying that Aguilar you know, had resurrected himself and he's been great. And the thing with Matthews is while I, you know, I don't mind him as a player and he's got a member, him and Carson Wentz were very close. They have a good rapport. I mean, he come right in here and contribute, no doubt about Mm -hmm. it, but he's a, he's a slot guy and he could be really good in the slot, but you just had Aguilar who proved to be even better, certainly more athletic, more higher ceiling. Um, Now, you know, for other that and other reasons, you have to move him out of that position for a little while. So, you know, it kind of has a little bit of a domino effect. You know, you take one guy out of his his best position, you lose your outside receiver, you have to move Aguilar there. You could do worse than plug in Jordan Matthews into the slot for sure. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It just sort of feels like a... Um, you know, the Patriots go out, you know, the Patriots are still going to be one of those teams that are going to potentially be Super Bowl competition for the Eagles again. And, you know, the thought of pairing Tom Brady with Josh Gordon or Carson Wentz with, you know, Josh Gordon is, is, is a pretty big, you know, there's a pretty big gap there. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's many other things that are going to make a difference, but, um, you know, I guess my, you know, Again, this is the mediocre show. Okay, we got Jordan Matthews. (laughs) It's an underwhelming show, yeah. It is the underwhelming show. Bringing in Jordan Matthews or Jeremy Macklin is a, a, uh, and I say this lovingly as a newly credentialed member of this, uh, this whatever, but it's a Flyers move. It's the kind of thing that everybody goes after the Flyers for. You know, you bring in a Simone Gagne well after his prime because he had, you know, been part of your team before and he fits your culture. Uh, Matthews or Macklin, 
And Macklin's, you know, apparently still injured and might have to push off his workout another week. That is goofy. Those those like, those guys just don't they don't inspire confidence. Now, I I don't know. I I don't know if this is you know, in you you've drafted receivers. You drafted Shelton Gibson. What was the last year in the 5th mm-hmm. round? Um and that that hasn't exactly panned out. Um I I keep kind of finding myself in this position where I I'm wondering like why is it? Now I I wasn't upset when Torrey Smith signed elsewhere in the offseason, but like now I'm I'm actually a little bit bummed that he's not here because it felt like last year we went from a, a super deep receiving core that allowed because you know by virtue of having guys you know bigger name guys Alshon Jeffrey and obviously Torrey Smith had a reputation in the league it allowed Nelson Aguilar to uh, fly under the radar and eventually you know step up hint hint Markel Fultz hint hint get Jimmy Butler um, I, I just. I, I don't know. Neither of these guys really moved the needle all that much for me. Like, is it is it better to have somebody that you know uh, can fit your system and somebody that, like, has an understanding of what it's like to play in Philadelphia? I don't know. Yeah, I but guess. these guys, like, remember, we were having the same discussions after week two and three last year. Like, Garrett Blunt didn't even run the ball in week two. Remember the Chiefs loss? He finished with zero runs. The one run he had was called back for a hold anyway. The Eagles were still trying to find themselves and find their feet and try to figure out what they were last year. And even when they, even when re- they were clicking, we need to retry. No, but even even when they were clicking last year, they weren't like like the Eagles were kind of shitty in fantasy because they'd spread the ball out all over the place, and they get their tight end involved. They throw to different guys. They'd have the uh, you know a, a trio of running backs all handling the ball. So it's it's not like it's not like they were they, they were always predicated on on needing to have that stud wide receiver anyway because. They're just the way they are, they get so many different people involved or whatever. I just look at the roster. I, I trust the talent that they have on it. You know, obviously, I'm kind of biased towards Shelton Gibson because he's a West Virginia kid or whatever. But even if you're not gonna, if he's not gonna get open or whatever, he's still a deep threat to kind of take the top off a of defense and stretch him out. And then you get Zach Ertz can catch the ball. Nelson Aguilar can catch the ball. Use Dallas Goddard. Run the football. Give Corey Clement more of a chance. Why is Clement not playing um, as many snaps as he should be? You know, uh, there's there's existing I think answers to what they have here and you know when you still have Carson Wentz coming back Alshon Jeffrey coming back Ajayi will be healthy again I'm, I'm not I don't know I just don't see it I don't think they need to make a, a take a big swing for anything right here I, I don't know yeah I, yeah I I agree with you I mean look they, they could still be a a top flight offense you have potential MVP caliber quarterback you have a not top tier but you know, has the, the certainly the ability to be a second-tier running back in J.J. You have two very good, uh, reliable second- and third-depth chart options in Corey Clement and Darren Sproles. Uh, you have a, again, second-tier, you know, not quite that top-tier, but just below it in Alshon Jeffrey. You have a really good, improving talent in Aguilar, and you have, you know, one of the top two tight ends in football, past, you know, receiving tight ends. Yeah, so yeah. you could know, do a lot worse, and you got a good line. Um, you know, despite the fact that, according to Ross, Jason Peters sits out for three quarters every game. Uh, and he's yeah, I heard about, I but, listened to a little bit of that on the other, on the last podcast. Yeah, a little bit is all yeah. you needed to hear. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's all good. Like, I, I'm with you. There's no reason to press the panic button. I think it would have been, I just think when you see an opportunity like that, or even you wrote today about Antonio Brown, like, if you have these <laughs> opportunities and you could somehow crowbar these guys onto a team, um, you know, Good, occasionally, good teams can absorb interesting characters, really talented guys, and resurrect them, even if it's only for a season, to have a um, you know truly, truly dynamic option. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, you know that sort of guy who puts you over the top, not gets you to the top. But 
you know, you get Alshon Jeffrey and and a, and, a, and a Josh Gordon or a Antonio Brown on your team, yeah. and you're talking about like you know prolific offensive. Uh, I potential. think they still have. I mean, look I, with what they have, even as dire as the receiver situation is, I think you got enough now to beat Indianapolis at home. I think you got enough to beat an okay Tennessee team on the road. Minnesota is week five. Or is it Carolina week five? I think it's Minnesota Carolina uh, after that. Yes. So I, I don't I, I think they say that it's not really a thing. They they said it wasn't really a thing with Carson Wentz. They were targeting a specific date, but I think they wanted him to not <laughs> be coming back to play the not. Vikings in his first game. Um, yes, I, I I agree. Yeah, so I, I I think if you get Wentz back this week and say Alshon's ready to go next week, I I'd feel pretty good with, with where they are. And if Jordan Matthews can can Rate the ship a little bit and just give you something else there. Then, then whatever. I still think they got to commit to running the ball a little bit more. I don't give a shit about if Corey Clement has special teams duties. He's a really good offensive player. Get him more involved. Throw throw him a couple screen passes. You know, get him on the wheel route. What was the route that he caught in the Super Bowl? You know, he had a hundred yards receiving on four catches in the Super Bowl. So they've and, got a lot. And of, I saw someone tweet this. No, yeah. I, I mean they've got a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things. And Doug is a creative play caller. Zach Ertz. Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, those guys are more receiver than tight end at this this point in their careers. You know, you can line Zach Ertz up in a lot of different spots too. You can put him, uh, you can put him down on the line. You can use him in the slot. Um, you know, if you have a bunch of slot special guys, then th- draw up a couple trips plays uh, this week. I know that Eagles don't run a lot of trips, but that's built to the strengths of what you have on your roster right now. I mean, there, there are ways for, for Doug to game plan his way out of this with the talent that they have on the team. So I just feel like there's, there's, there's in-house stuff that's going to get them through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And Corey, so I saw, saw someone tweets the other day, Corey Clement, when he's down around the goal line, like even though, even when he doesn't get in, like he mm-hmm. always, when you're they're in the red zone and that guy gets the ball, it, it feels like every time he touches it, he's, he's, approaching the goal line in some regard. He's reliable. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he's quick yeah. and powerful, and he has that nose for, like, I'm going to figure out a way to get through these two bodies, you know, where at midfield you might just take the tackle or try and run away, but, like, I'm going to figure out a way to to jam my body into this space <laughs> to, to to clear the end on zone. Third, I don't know. And on third, ton third of downs, too. Down. Yeah, and on third downs, too. Yeah. Remember how much we talked about him last year, how he was a rookie, an undrafted rookie, and they trusted him so much. And like on those like third and four and third and three and third and, third and five, you know, downs. Uh, red zone, he's a great player. He's. I think we were all kind of saying that he should have an expanded role this year, a bigger role. So I don't give a crap about him returning punts or kicks or anything like that. Make him a, make him a feature, a, pr- a primary staple of the offense, especially when he's one of the few healthy guys that you have right now. Mm-hmm. Should we have uh, anything else? Let's end on that. Let's end on a pause. Let's uh, finish the underwhelming podcast. What's this one called? The mediocre. Let's finish podcast. the mediocre po- also, podcast on a on a not mediocre note. Well, here's the one thing I'll say. I'm glad the Eagles didn't give up a fifth round pick because three of their most recent fifth round picks are still on the team or in the go. organization. That would, of course, be Gibson, Halapulavati, Vitae, and, and Wendell Smallwood. Big V. So. We can't do fourth round picks, Donald Pumphrey, but we can do fifth. fifth Matt okay. Collins is coming back too. He's another fourth rounder, right? He's yeah. a fourth, yeah. 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 All right. So uh, don't forget to go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast, which dropped a new episode Tuesday morning. Of course, Snow the Goalie uh, will be out on Thursday with uh, myself and Anthony Sanfilippo. Of course, it's always soccer in Philadelphia with uh, Kevin. That goes up. Are you going to do one this weekend? What do you think, um, try to do one on thursday after the seattle game and then we'll try and then we got the u.s open cup final coming up 
Ah, yes, the U.S. Open Cup. We could have oh, talked about that's that. That's a big, but, uh, a lot of yeah. exciting stuff coming coming down the yep, pike here. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Union, okay. Um, and uh, Crossing Broad FC, we'll have an episode out this weekend, so that'll be a thing. So uh, go follow those shows, follow those people on Twitter. Bob is uh, at BW Crossing Broad. Anthony is at Ant San Philly. Of course, Kevin is at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Phil is at Phil Kydel, K-E-I-D-L, not hard to spell, Phil Kydel. Kyle is at Crossing Broad, and I am at Joy on Broad. Don't forget to go check out our friends at Amerigas and also Tropicana. And uh, we will be back on Friday with our third show of the week. Can you believe it? I don't know if I can either. We'll see you then.